1: Let's go places.
0: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
2: Welcome in. You have hit the middle of the week. It is Gavito and Rich, but it's not Gavito and Rich. They're off to Mexico, so you have Torres in me today. And, heck, you're going to have us for the next couple of days as well. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there at unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Aaron, we have got more NCAA tournament games tonight with the first round tipping off tomorrow, one of the greatest days in all of sport, if not the greatest in sports. We've got the NBA hitting the home stretch in news about one of its biggest biggest stars but it is the first day of the new year a happy new year to you when it comes to the nfl and what news do we have today but that aaron Rodgers, not yet a jet but wants to be a new york jet
3: it's it's been a wild day and you know, you just think about everything that's happened since that interview. Obviously, we have a, a, a report on Ja Morant that we'll get to, a, a report on uh, Jalen Carter, a potential, obviously, top five pick for people who are not familiar with the name. And then, oh, by the way, we have an NCAA tournament starting tomorrow. So, um, you know, I know that March used to be kind of quiet outside of picking brackets. Uh, I don't think we could say that anymore in this era, Dan. It has been crazy how much news, even just
2: in the last three, four, five hours, has broken. I think Lizzo said it best when she said it's about damn time uh, that we had some clarity (laughs) when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. And my goodness, we're not even even 100% clear yet. But this was the situation. We had heard rumblings over the last couple of days that Rodgers to the Jets is a done deal. And right now it's not a done deal because there's no deal between the Packers and the Jets. But we did find out today what Aaron Rodgers wants. He spoke with Pat McAfee and the uh, crew on the pat mcafee show this was Aaron
4: Rodgers just a
2: few hours ago announcing his intentions at
4: this point as i sit here you know i think since friday i made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the new york jets and i haven't been holding anything up at this point it's been compensation that the packers are trying to get for me and kind of digging their heels in so there's there's the, that's where we are. That's what Aaron Rodgers
2: says. I want to be a Jet Packers and Jets. Now got to figure this out. Maybe the Packers are, are sticking to their guns. Um, they do have the leverage. They have the leverage for a lot of reasons in all of this. But just Rodgers even saying that, yeah, his intentions are that he wants to be a New York Jet may force the Jets to pay a little bit extra uh, in getting Rodgers. But that's where we stand right now. And and w- what I find interesting in all of this is because I don't think what Aaron Rodgers says a lot of the times you can take at face value, and and while he is a guy that is has kept to himself and has made the joke and even I don't even know know was a joke today the whole Adam Schefter you know tweet and Diana Rossini trying to reach out to him. It was all, to me, it was just, a, you know, I, I get insiders have a, have a job to do. It's just kind of weird that Rodgers is like, I'm the one that's going to deliver this information when we've been waiting for months on this information. And let's be real. He hasn't been shy in talking. He's been on a variety of different podcasts, but we're at the new league year now, and we don't have necessarily have the start to this or to, to have the full picture of this Aaron as it's still not finalized. But I just, I, I never take what Aaron Rodgers says at full face value, because I always think that there are there are things that he's trying to say without saying it because then he will be like well I never said that that's not what I said you don't know what I meant and (laughs) I thought that today was a classic opportunity for Rodgers and I think as we hear from him you're going to hear some major uh contradictions from Rodgers but the the point being is I just I, I it's very simple and I think he advanced the story today we just don't know the whole whole story just yet
3: so when he you know and we've all been for 24 hours or whatever when we knew he was going to be on with mcafee today Uh, we were all waiting to hear what he had to say is he going to make an announcement is this the decision 2.0 and i basically bring it up to say you know I take everything that he says with a grain of salt, but I also think that the facts that we knew prior to today kind of line up with this version of events, right? I mean, we've kind of seen the quarterback market basically evaporate in front of our eyes. Jimmy Garoppolo is now a Las Vegas Raiders, as, uh, as Ben Maller was talking about during the commercial break. Um, you know, you go on and on down the list. Lamar Jackson is not expected to be in the New York Jets plans. And so, I mean, I remember having... the the thought 24 48 hours ago of if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay what do the New York Jets do and so the idea that they let Baker Mayfield sign in in Tampa they let Jimmy Garoppolo go to San Fran uh, to go to excuse me to Las Vegas they let Derek Carr go to the New Orleans Saints it does line up with what Aaron Rodgers is saying, which is for the last four or five days I've been ready to get this done, uh, and it's the Packers holding things up. And by the way, it also lines up with something you and I talked about last week, was which was the Mark Murphy quotes where <laughs> he was at you know the high school volleyball game or basketball game or whatever it was, and he basically um, was asked about Aaron Rodgers, and he said yes if, if if he gets what he if we all I think the to paraphrase it was something to the effect of if we all get what we want. He insinuated that Aaron Rodgers would not be a Packer next year. So, you know, is Aaron Rodgers, is everything a 100% truth? I don't know if anything ever is with Aaron Rodgers, but I will say what we learned today really kind of lines up with everything that we've known over the last four or five days.
2: I, I think one thing, do, there, there's something that doesn't, doesn't make sense. and This is where I think Aaron Rodgers um, is becoming a master of manipulation. And, of course, the Green Bay Packers are not going to come in um, out of this looking good. Um, in terms of of what he is saying, and it's going to make Rodgers basically bear no blame in all of this. But I want to let Rodgers speak, because I think it ends up coming out in all of this. This is him, again, uh, on the Pat McAfee show earlier today, talking about the Packers' role, basically, in all of
4: this right now. We come off of last year with, uh, obviously, missing playoffs. I didn't have an MVP season. You know, I was interested in where they would be at uh, mentally. Everything that I was told in the week that I was in Green Bay was take as long as you want and we want you to retire Packer. When I came out of the darkness, something changed. I'm not exactly sure what that was, but something changed. I got back to my phone after five days off of it. And when I got back to that little shack they have where there's a, you know one bar of Wi-Fi and got back to the you know, hundred text messages and emails and all different things, um, I realized that there'd been a little bit of a shift. I heard from multiple uh, people that I trust that there was some shopping going on. They were interested in actually moving me.
2: OK, so that that is he's saying that the Packers uh, told him one thing and then ended up doing something different. That's his version of of the story. This is where I think he's 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 caught in an intersection that he doesn't know where to turn. This is where Aaron, this is the spot um, that, that I think it doesn't add up to what Aaron Rodgers is saying. And that's why I give the Packers some benefit, uh, benefit of the doubt in all of this, because. It's been two months since the season ended, and we still don't have this thing clarified. This was Rogers talking about what his mindset was going into the darkness retreat.
4: You know, I, I got to admit, I went into the darkness 90% retiring, and 10% playing. That's where my, my mind was. My mind was, I'm, I'm tired of this. I hadn't got back into my workouts yet. And I thought that that was what was best for me. Okay. So now, so we've heard that. You know what doesn't add up, Aaron?
2: What's that? The guy hasn't worked out this offseason, okay, Like, because he was 90% <laughs> per- retired. But he blames the Packers for trying to shop him in saying uh, after they apparently told him they wanted him to retire a Packer. So, so what Rodgers is saying is, you guys want me, but guess what? Nine times out of ten, I'm walking out that door. Sure. I'm done. I I am done. I don't want to play football anymore. I am I am done. I am moving on. There no point was it like, you know what? I went into that darkness retreat and I really felt like I need to be back in Green Bay next season. And no you know, like like that wasn't that wasn't an option. And he maybe could have just said like you know, I I, I just didn't want to be in Green Bay or I wanted to be in New York. The the thing that just doesn't add up to me is maybe Green Bay got that sense that that. He didn't want to be there anymore, that he didn't want to play football anymore. Why not take a look and go and see what your different options are? If, if he's painting the Packers in a bad light, then he should have said, I went into the darkness retreat wanting to be a Packer and it came out wanting to be a Packer. But he went in. Wanting to retire and he came out playing and then was like, whoa, wait, they want to trade me? Like, that just doesn't add up to me. And that's why I think it's kind of, in in a way, it's a little BS of Rodgers trying to tell, you know, to shift his story because if he's 90% retired, then that tells Green Bay, all right, we got to move on from the guy. And even if they went and made some calls, it still means that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be back in Green Bay. And that's the part, like, of the reading between the lines and certain things that don't add up. It's at never, never at any point in those, conversations that he talked about or in those eight weeks from the end of the season until now, is it like, you know what? I wanted to be back in green Bay. And that's where I, th- that's why I think that Rogers is trying to spin a tail again to make it be like, it's not my fault. It's it's green Bay. It's them. It's the team. And they wanted to move on. And so I decided I wanted to be a jet. Just It doesn't add up to me. That's the issue that I have with Rogers today.
3: It's very interesting. And I, I think it speaks to, you know, I, I think, probably most of everything that we're hearing is probably accurate. But I I also think that, you know, even Aaron Rodgers coming out today, even Aaron Rodgers doing this interview today, and, 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 you know, what is the motivation for Aaron Rodgers? Is it to put public pressure to get things done? Is it to get his side of the story out since very clearly uh, he thinks that the Packers are getting their side of the story out? I don't know, but I do think there is something to – you know, I guess not being wanted. I Like, I find that whole element of it interesting. Sure. And I know, you know, later on in the show, we'll talk a little bit about what we expect from him if he ultimately ends up a jet. But I do wonder if that's part of him trying to publicly save face right like, like for the first time in his career since draft night essentially he's been basically told you're not wanted here you're not welcome anymore like, like he spent 15 years proving all those teams wrong on draft night only to come full circle and be in a situation where he is no longer wanted and so i do wonder if that's some of it of no 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 no, no. Yeah, I was ready to retire, but I still wanted to be a Packer. I came out and they changed their story to take a little bit off of him in terms of like, you know, one, publicly, this is not what I want. And two, just looking himself in the mirror and saying, darn, for the first time since that draft room, since that green room in 2006, I'm no longer wanted. 2005, whatever it was. I apologize. I don't know the year off the top of my head. But I, I, I think there is something to that where maybe he's stretching the truth because he thinks that he has to somehow, quote unquote, save face
2: publicly. Yeah, it, I think it was the 2005 draft. So, I think it so, was yeah. 05 so, yes. So, yes. And when you uh, – it it's – it's just so funny because he's also saving face, Aaron, by playing the victim card. Of course, yeah. Hey, That's what I mean. you know, like that, it's, 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 this is, this is the, this is the truth. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to go to the party in Green Bay. But when he found out that he wasn't invited, he then wanted to make sure that they knew that he wasn't invited. And guess what? He's going to go to an even better party. That's what it was. Like, you didn't need, like, they that's what he's trying to do like maybe didn't want to go back to green bay but you know what he for sure wanted green bay to want him back of course and that's where he's trying to save face in all of this this is this is rogers and talking about uh the packers and
4: and that organization being ready to move on it is what it is the packers would like to move on They've let me know that in so many words. They let, they let other people know that in direct words. And because I still have that fire and I, I, and I want to play and I would like to play in New York, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting that done at this point. The,
2: the funny thing is, is he also mentioned in in this in this interview with McAfee that, you know, if Green Bay would have came to me and said, Aaron, we appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, we want you, um, you know, You know we're ready to move on from here. He's like that would have been great. There's no way that would have been great. (laughs) Absolutely, positively, no way. Like now you can say that now after the Jets have come and visit you and you've decided that you wanted to play on. But that's so hindsight twenty twenty and. I, I know I've been critical of Rogers. I think some of it he brings upon himself, and just but this opportunity where he you know speaks for you know how many minutes today and on this show and laying out this timeline, there are just things that don't necessarily make sense, and it just really seems that he's trying to paint the Packers in a bad light. And and honestly, I don't think Packer fans are buying it. And even if they are, I don't think they're as broken up as maybe they were when Brett Favre left. So I don't know what exactly Aaron Rodgers is accomplishing in all of this, except maybe taking away some leverage away from the Jets.
3: I know it's something a lot of people on these airwaves have talked about over the last, you know, frankly, probably two, three months since the season ended. But this offseason, it really does feel like the, the first time. Um, that I've gotten the sentiment, just as an, a, a, a consumer and observer. I'm not an NFL insider. I don't have any ties to the Packers, but I think this was this felt like the first off season where the 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 general public was on the side of team management as opposed to team Rodgers, and I think the previous two years, again, understanding that he was coming off MVP years, number one seeds in the playoffs. Obviously, two years ago or three three seasons ago, now two calendar years was a trip to the NFC Championship game against Tampa. But to to, to your point, um, I, I I think the 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 people in Aaron's corner Roger's corner whatever are getting smaller and smaller and I think that that is part of I think that's honestly part of why he did the interview today is even if it is true that hey he wants to be a jet I think he wants the you know obviously he wants the information to come to him from him he doesn't want to be the bad guy he wants to be loved he wants to share his side of the story where you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just, I, I just think the sentiment has changed so much in the last year or so since the last time we went through this. And I do think that part of today was to try to paint himself a picture, try to paint the, the Packers into a, cor- uh, try to paint him, paint himself as a victim. Excuse me, paint the Packers into a corner. Um, whether he did it or not, I don't know. But I do buy the narrative that that you know that he has let the Jets know that this is something that he wants and he's ready to move on to that.
2: He's your Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. We are in for
5: Covino and Ridge today. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling to one of the big
0: conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor and stay at Graduate Hotels. Bridgestone Arena, Target Center, their hotels are close to both tournament venues.
1: They're obsessed with college sports. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to its hometown and local college team, but in a good way. Lots of cool details for alumni, vintage sports throwbacks, nods to campus legends, school colors, mascots. Why would you want to stay anywhere else? Graduate Hotels is the perfect spot the next time you go see a game and you need somewhere to crash. They got over 30 hotels coast to coast, down south,
0: all over the Midwest. So odds are there's one where you're going, especially for upcoming big conference tourneys. You can check out all of graduates' locations at graduatehotels.com. Plus, our listeners get up to 30% off with promo code CRSHOW. That's C-R-S-H-O-W. Good at any graduate hotel location. Book today at graduatehotels.com.
2: Kavito and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we aren't talking about love. We are talking hoops, though. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Maybe we talk about our love for hoops. That could be apropos. Be sure to join Fox Sports Radio's Million Dollar Bracket Challenge, something that I know you'll love. That's right, the Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. If you fill out a perfect bracket at foxsportsradio.com, you will win $1 million. You can also compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts like Aaron and myself and fellow listeners, the listener... Who finishes in first place wins a prize pack featuring a Legacy Box 40-item trunk valued at nearly $1,200. It's where you can turn old family movies and pictures into digital keepsakes. You will also get a Traeger meter block that's valued at $350. It's the ultimate way to monitor meat on the grill. And a chalk bundle valued, valued at nearly $500 featuring not one, not two, but nine popular supplements found at choq.com to reclaim your vitality. All in all, it's a prize pack valued at over $2,000. So again, fill out your brackets right now because time is wasting. Go to foxsportsradio.com. You have until noon Eastern time on Thursday. That's foxsportsradio.com to fill out your bracket and to get official rules. Are you set? Are you good with your Final Four? Are you good with your national champion, Aaron?
3: Well, I'll tell you, we didn't even discuss our, our interview with Jared Smith in hour one, but <clears throat> he said Houston is the best team in the tournament, according to the metrics. I actually picked Houston to win. Um, he said that uh, Drake over Miami was something he felt confident in. That is my – literally, I was asked the to pick one double-digit seed to win. I picked Drake. And then he's a Penn State alum that says he doesn't like how they match up with Texas A&M. That is actually my best bet, Texas A&M minus three. So – Either Jared Smith and I are totally on the same wavelength and we're geniuses, or we're both going to look really stupid by, you know, midday on Friday. So that remains to be seen. But I feel more confident in my bracket
2: now that Jared Smith basically confirmed
3: literally everything I've been thinking about this thing. <laughs>
2: uh, Jason Stewart, does, is your final Four, is your bracket, you good? Or what's, what's the deal?
3: Oh, no, I'll let you guys talk about that. Um, but I do have this comment, and I said this to Doug uh, on our – podcast it really is a no-win situation for aaron torres and doug gottlieb to do a bracket because if if anything has revealed more i don't know uh incorrect answers it's this tournament so you're putting yourself in a position as a college basketball expert trying to predict something that is the definition of unpredictable so I, I'm guessing that you have you resent the fact that you have to post a bracket. Do you not, Aaron? Or is it something that you kind of enjoy and don't
4: take too serious?
3: I'll tell you, I remember vividly saying this. I was uh, on Cowherd's couch one time and he asked me this question. I said, you know, I'm, I'm more of the Bill Belichick. I focus on myself. Um, I just get annoyed at myself. Like, because you know whatever sport it is you watch something and then you form an opinion and sometimes you get it right but it's like a, a it's like a coach you only remember the ones that you lost and so i sit there and say i knew i didn't want to pick this game this way but i picked it anyway and so it's not everybody coming at me it's more like me being like I knew I should not have done that, and I did it anyway. And there is, uh, to your point, Jason, literally 15 of those uh, over the course of, of the tournament. So it, 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 the other people don't bother me, but I, I do, to, to your guys' point earlier, get in my own head, especially
2: with a lot of these picks. There's This is where, this is where I find the bracket in filling out a bracket. And if you actually involve time uh, into it, where I find it maddening is you usually know on what top seeds you want to lose. Right. Like you look at a bracket and you're like, I don't think Purdue's any good. So then you're like, okay, what team do I have beating Purdue? And then you start to like, okay, do I have, you know, let's just say that they, you know, they advance through the first round and then they have Memphis or FAU. And you're like, you know what? I think Memphis is the team that can beat Purdue. And that's the one that will do it. Well, the problem is, is Memphis beating FAU is no guarantee. Yeah. You know, so and it's why I asked about the a Penn State game, not because Jared was a Penn State alum, but simply that's also one of the games where it's not an 8-9 matchup, but it is 7-10. You have two teams that played on Sunday and uh, by many accounts, some think will be the best game that we see in the first round. And so like if you have a that you want to go for a, a run because you think they can beat Texas and – if they would beat Xavier in the next round, absolutely. But there's just absolute no guarantee that they will get past Penn State. And that's the problem that I find with myself of I know what teams I think are going to lose and who I want to win. It's just that Cinderella that I have, can I truly believe that they're going to get out of the you know their first-round game? That's where I end up having the biggest issues.
3: Well, two thoughts on that. One is this is why – like I hate – I don't hate. It's it's a privilege anytime anyone asks you a sports opinion. Working in this business, but like when people are like, "Well, who who's the team nobody's talking about that can make a run?" And I'm always like, "Like I'm not trying to be that guy." But you need to see a bracket, right? Because every year, like like I'll give you a perfect example: UCLA this year. All we've heard about is how banged up they are, this and that. But now you see a bracket. And they actually have a very advantageous path. Like, they're they're going to play the winner of Northwestern Boise if they get by UNC Asheville. And then all of a sudden, they're in the Sweet 16 and anything can happen. And so that's part of why I'm always hesitant to say, I, I really like this team or I really hate this team. But then also to your point, Dan, um, I think it does speak to um, something that I always try to say as well, to Jay Stu's point when people ask me stuff, is like, take every game as a one-game tournament, because you're exactly right, is... I would really like this team if they play that team, but I don't think that team is going to win the game before. And so when you're filling out your bracket, don't go in saying, oh, you know, I mean, I love Houston. They're going to the Final Four. It's like, we'll see – you know – who are they playing in the first round? Then the second round. Then the third round. Um, I don't know if that actually helps. I don't know if it's common sense, but that's the way I try to approach it. Is never going in saying I haven't liked Purdue all year, so I have to pick them to lose early because you just never know how the bracket's going to fall until we actually see it on that Sunday.
2: I just, I, you, you try to have a picture of what the bracket's going to look like, and I just go back to two years ago, and it's meant no disrespect to Oregon State as the 12 seed, but. Um, You know, like even St. Peter's last year, I mean, that was that was out of nowhere. But if you were to take a 12 seed like Oregon State, I'd actually not even let's just take a 12 seed. Like everybody's going to pick a 12 because, you know, 12 upsets a five. You know, we get that. That's the stat almost every year. You know, we see that sort of upset. But there's just no way that you're going to put that 12 to go all the way to the regional final. And especially like that year that that it was Oregon State. I know it was the COVID year, you know, like when it was played in Indiana the entire tournament, but – you know, there was a break there where, where Illinois lost, and then, you know, they end up beating Loyola of Chicago. It just, you know, it's like those scenarios where you just you count on a team. That's why I think, like, NC State, a team that really hasn't done anything as of late, like, all of a sudden, like, we could be like, But what is NC State doing in the regional final? You know, like, <laughs> no one would even have them even beating Creighton, let alone getting to the Elite Eight. Um, but that's why where, that's where I end up, like, I, that's why I love the brackets. It's those sort of situations that no one saw coming.
3: No, and I I just – like I said, it's why when I fill out a bracket, I I just try – I try to just eliminate preconceived notions, and I know we're getting like nerdy bracket talk, but this is probably the day on the calendar to do it. Is like you got to throw out, you know, even if you whether you're somebody that that just pays attention the week of the bracket or championship week or whatever, or you're somebody who does watch bas- college basketball regular season. Like you do have to kind of find that balance between throwing out preconceived notions. But then to our conversation with Jared Smith earlier in the show, not completely going too far in on what you just saw last week. And that's what to J Stu's point, like makes this such a fun tournament is you can be somebody that watches all year. You could be somebody that starts tuning in last week but there's always like, like. There's a reason that everybody offers the million dollar bracket challenge. It's because nobody's going to pick a perfect bracket because no matter how much you know or how much you don't know, there's going to be something that you just can't expect. Uh, and that is obviously the charm and the fun of the
2: bracket as well. Well, the, that that's why you do have to join the Fox Sports Radio million dollar bracket challenge because you could win a million dollars if you get that perfect bracket. I'll, I'll say this. we This is with all due respect with Jared um, coming on earlier in, in terms of we know how busy Vegas is in a week like this, you know, of just everybody going to Vegas and betting on these games, and how popular it is. And now, states that allow betting, I, I, I suppose those betting establishments are super busy. I do believe, and I and I I saw it today, and I've seen it throughout the week, Aaron. It's kind of a broad picture, but it, it narrows down to to the NCAA tournament throughout the since November. Listen, we understand that college basketball does not grab the pulse of the sports fan on a national level. Regionally, I think it is it is very, very strong. But you're just not going to have those national college basketball conversations like maybe you did 20 years ago. I think that's pretty apparent. But everybody is in on the brackets, right? It's just like, and, and, and I use everybody, not meaning everybody, but a lot of people, just like fantasy football, Right. Like that's that's there's there so many people that play fantasy football and it is opening up the NFL to a whole new audience that they never thought that they would have. And I think that's what it's done for college basketball or the mm-hmm. bracket, con- you know, contest. Heck, they put an actual bracket in a logo like, like that's the March Madness logo features actual brackets because that's what people are drawn to. I know there are people who bet on games, but by and large, I think people just want to know who's going to win or lose. Do I need to should I be worried about this guy? Should I be worried about this team who can make the run? And so much of the content to your point like I know that you said earlier of like what's the team that can make a, you know that that can make a run? That's what people are looking at to have their brackets solved. Like I don't think people care if Furman can cover against Virginia. Sure. I think what people want to know is can Furman beat Virginia. And yeah. I, and I and and I just watched a a, a show, I'll just say it, CBS you know, Sportsnet had, you know, a tournament preview on earlier this afternoon. And all they were doing, Aaron, was going through a guy's bracket that wasn't a college basketball insider, that wasn't a former coach or a current coach or anything, but they were just going through his bracket. Now, it may be to fill time, which I don't think is a great use of time, but what I do think happens is that they realize that that's why people are watching this show. They want to know who to put in their bracket. And so if you can show them a bracket to um on, on what you may have and who you have advancing, it's far better for them to do that than to have somebody break down Memphis against Florida Atlantic in a first round game.
3: No, I, I agree hundred percent. And and that's what, you know, again, first of all, it's what makes the um makes the event so fun is that you don't need to be a gambler and you don't need to be an expert. You know, I'll just give a quick example. I'm sure everybody has one in their family, but you know, for years we tried to get my sister-in-law, "Hey, fill out a bracket, it'll be fun." And she looks at the bracket and says, "This is too confusing. I don't want to do it." And then you kind of explain, "Well, you just pick this team versus this team. Oh, you like them to win? You write their name here." Then and then all the bracket, and then she figured it out, and then last year was the first year that she Um, that she, like, was into it because she's like, oh, did I pick that team or that team? Did I pick Utah State or Missouri? Whatever – um, and it's just such a fun event. It's such a fun event. And to your point, I do think today, most of today is people scrounging for any last minute information to help them win their bracket, probably much more so than, than gambling. And, and by the way, you know, gambling is awesome and it's fun. And, you know, it's obviously getting bigger and bigger every year, more and more states. But I do still think there's something to filling out that bracket for five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. And uh, and it's it's gonna you know it's it's fun and it's gonna keep being fun starting again tomorrow.
2: Job ja Morant suspended eight games by the NBA. He's already missed five of those. Not gonna play tonight, which will make it six. He'll miss two more and then be allowed to return to the team as soon as Monday. Uh, at first blush. Uh, I I feel that the NBA kind of uh, went light on on John Morant with this uh, eight-game penalty, especially considering, and I know it's coming down to money, but especially considering that he had missed uh, five games already and the team had said that he wouldn't return uh, until Friday at the earliest. Well, now he's not going to be able to because of the NBA ban, but I did not think that the NBA would hand out just an eight-game ban with more than 50% of it already served.
3: Well, and beyond that, remember, there was a two-game ban initially by the Memphis Grizzlies. So, unless I'm mistaken, it's really a six-game ban by the NBA, um, which allows him to obviously come back soon. Uh, it was an
2: interesting game. Yeah, it was two games, and then there were four more, and then he's going to miss the two that yes. he could have had. So that makes the eight. So, so yeah, so Friday we really – yeah.
3: I'm not in, in no way, shape, or form am I criticizing you, but to call it an eight-game NBA ban when the Grizzlies put on the first two – the NBA is basically giving him six, and and most of it is time served. So it's an interesting deal, um, and, and I think what what's more interesting is obviously there was a report earlier this week that he had sought treatment of some sort, um, and then there was a report today that obviously he's coming back soon. Um, and so I think, rightfully, a lot of people are questioning how serious was his pursuit of treatment now. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN reported that the treatment really essentially started as soon as he left the team. So I'm not here to say what is genuine and what isn't. But um, it does seem interesting to me, the timing of it all. Um, and it seems interesting to me of, of was there actual intent to get treatment or was that a PR release by his team put out a few days ago to make it look like something that it wasn't? I, I just, you know, if he's dealing with stuff off the court, and he clearly is, I certainly hope that he has taken the time to, to do what's right. But, but to hear that he's getting treatment or that he's seeking treatment, and then two or three days later we find out that, find out that he's coming back soon, it's an interesting deal I know he's going to speak tonight uh, to another media outlet. I just saw there's a report that he's going to do a sit-down interview, so we'll learn more on it. But the timing is certainly interesting just from the perspective of two, three days ago I think we were all applauding him for taking time away to, to, to to do what he needed to do to get his head in the right space. Now it seems like just a few days later, he's, he's coming right back. Uh, And obviously I think a lot of people are questioning how much, you know, how much was really accomplished in that.
2: So this treatment that he, that he enters is it's after the incident in Denver, right? Like that's which, which occurred, uh, they played the nuggets on March 3rd. I think it was, I think there was a Saturday night. I think they were still in Denver. Um, So it was a Saturday night in the, Actually, no. It may have been it was the Friday. It Saturday. Yeah, that's what it was. I woke up to the
3: video on Saturday morning. Yeah.
2: yeah so, because they played the Clippers then Sunday night in LA, and he wasn't available, and they wouldn't fly to LA on the same day. So, yeah. So, Friday to Saturday, uh, that's where he's at the the strip club. Which, by the way, was March fourth. Hmm. That was less than two weeks ago. So, uh, for him to go into uh, counseling or therapy in Florida to address the issues that he has, uh, this is I do have a I do have an issue with this. I. I uh, this is this is all PR garbage. This is the Thank NBA you. wanting to protect a star. And I, I, I'm not saying that John Morant doesn't deserve a second chance, but the NBA ends up uh, having an investigation in saying that the league concluded that uh, the gun uh, did uh, it did not conclude that the gun at issue belonged to Morant uh, was brought to him into the nightclub or was displayed by him beyond a brief period. So they're saying that, that Ja just had the gun for a short period of time and, and that was it. They also said the investigation did not find that Morant possessed the gun while traveling with the team or in any NBA facility, which would be a violation of their rules. And the Colorado authorities did not find sufficient uh, cause to charge Morant with the crime. And the police department uh, ended up, you know, saying that there were reasons why they didn't press charges. But if this isn't Ja Morant, do you think the NBA is going to go light on a on a gun? situation here where someone's flashing it, especially Aaron when there was a history and in, in wondering if somebody pointed a red laser at members of the Indiana Pacers mm-hmm. and, and now you're giving him an eight game ban, five of which were already served and basically it's just about money Like, what sort of issue or, or like, what sort of lesson is learned here? The lesson is do your idiotic things uh, in advance of the playoffs so you can be there for the postseason and the NBA doesn't lose one of their stars. I'm not saying John Morant should lose his career for this. But you know what also ticks me off is the use of therapy. And I'm using air quotes that you can't see on radio. Do you know how difficult it is for people who have a problem to be able to enter therapy and go through that process, whether it be of, of mental health, whether it be of addiction, and to sit there and pass it off to say that he has taken the steps needed to resume? It hasn't even been two weeks since this incident happened. Great call. Like what are we what are we doing here? You know, I know the NBA is such a players like league, but seriously, maybe the best thing to do is to screw John Morant for a month. Or to you know, to take the grizzlies and say, you know what, he's not coming back until the playoffs and you guys figure it out. Maybe that is the help that he needs for John Morant to realize. They're just talking about him missing eight game checks right now. And, and, and listen, if this was him going to the strip club and being stupid, that's one thing. But it's not. This Indiana Pacers thing is a big deal. And for him to not learn the lesson, Gilbert Arenas was suspended for the rest of an entire season in late January by David Stern. You want to know why? Because he brought guns into an NBA locker room and then during st- the uh, introductions for starting lineups, mocked the use of a gun. Stern's like, bleep that you're gone. That's you're none of that anymore. So here you have an accusation of a team or somebody maybe pointing a laser at the Indiana Pacers, and now you have a guy mocking in, in you know in an Instagram live video. Like, come on, NBA. You know, you're not fooling anybody. I just think it's, I just think it's, I think it's garbage, Aaron. We could talk about it tomorrow. We're going to be in tomorrow, Ooh. but I just think it's, I, I think it's an absolute joke.
3: So. You, I, I was trying to be diplomatic. I agree a thousand percent. I think just the, the the baseline point that I would say, you know, my my wife does work in the mental health space. It is a serious thing, and I very much felt the same way that you did. That they're either mocking or using it as a crutch to get out from real. Um, you know, not punishment, but real, um, you know, self-evaluation mm-hmm. from John Morant. And so we have four hours to talk about it tomorrow, but I- I'm just as disappointed as you are, and I'm glad that you took it to that level because what you expressed is very much how I feel.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, it's Cavino and Rich. Traveling to see your favorite team this winter? You have to stay at Graduate Hotels. They're obsessed with college sports just like us. Each Graduate Hotel is a shrine to its hometown and local college team, but in a good way. Lots of cool details for alumni, vintage sports throwbacks, nods to campus legends, school colors, mascots, you name
1: it. Why would we stay anywhere else? Graduate Hotels is the perfect spot for the next time you go see a game and need somewhere to crash. They have over 30 hotels coast-to-coast, down south, and all over the Midwest. So odds are there's one where you're going, especially for games and the big conferences. You can check out all of Graduates' locations at graduatehotels.com. And when it's time to book, get up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's C-R-S-H-O-W. That's code CRSHOW at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. So go book your stay now at graduatehotels.com.
6: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
3: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
6: Explore more stories like Alex's at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
2: It's Kavino and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. He's Eric Torres. I'm Dan Byer, sitting in for Kavino and Rich. Get Aaron on Twitter. At Aaron underscore Torres, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Let's focus on some hoops. And I want to let you, net, let you know that you have to join Fox Sports Radio's Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. There's time. That's right. The Million Dollar Bracket Challenge. If you fill out a perfect bracket at FoxSportsRadio.com, you will win $1 million. You can compete against Fox Sports Radio hosts and fellow listeners. That includes myself. Aaron, are you in on this? Did you get your bracket in for the contest?
3: I've tweeted out the link a few times, but I, I was waiting. You know, We'll talk to Jared about this. I've been waiting on some key injuries, but I did make my official picks today.
2: I'll be submitting them on Fox Sports Radio shortly after the show. Okay, so you can com- com- compete against Aaron, myself, any of the other hosts. The listener, by the way, who finishes in first place, wins a prize pack featuring a Legacy Box 40-item trunk valued at nearly $1,200. Turns old family movies and pictures into digital keepsakes. A Traeger meter block, that's valued at 350 bucks, The ultimate way to monitor meat on the grill. And a chalk bundle valued at nearly $500 featuring nine popular supplements found at choq.com to reclaim your vitality. All in all, the prize pack valued at over $2,000. So there's still time right now. Go to FoxSportsRadio.com. Fill out your brackets. You have until noon Eastern time on Thursday. That's FoxSportsRadio.com to fill out your bracket. And get to official rules to answer the questions that Aaron has and that uh, I may have and hopefully you may have as well as you fill out your bracket. He's the one and only Fox Sports Radio betting analyst that you can find on Twitter at Jared Lee Smith. Jared Smith joins us
7: here on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, Jared. How are you? Oh, what a wonderful week, guys. And I'm also in that bracket uh, tourney that we're doing, The little contest. I submitted my picks last night. Um, I'll try not to change them in the next 24. I always have analysis paralysis this week. You know, we have four days to look at the games, two, if you're doing the first four. But really, it's four from Sunday to Thursday. And I probably go back and forth way too many times. I'm trying to get better about just making my decision and then moving on.
2: (laughs) Yes, I agree. I I used to be. By Monday at three in the afternoon, my bracket was set, yeah. and here we are, five thirty Eastern time, two thirty Pacific, and I'm like you, I am, I am at the point in, in at the point of like, all right, do I want this, and do I want that, and you know who I have to blame for this, Jared. Ken Palm. I don't know. Please. Ken know. Palm. Yes. Ken Palm. <laughs> I've heard Ken Palm more than I've heard Cinderella brackets. Upsets. He's godfather. Like, like my goodness. Like, like take us through as every, like it is. It's not only on Twitter. It is all over Instagram. TikTok. I can't hit three different videos without two of them telling me these are the teams you got to look at because of their Ken Palm. What is Ken Palm? Why do people filling out the bracket need to know about this rating system?
7: So Ken, Palm is Ken Pomeroy, he's a human being. Um, I, I don't know the history with how he developed the rating system, but they've been around since 2002. And it's been pretty predictive. Uh, again, if you take out the Yukon hungry Huskies year in 2014, which was just an outlier even if you actually, even if you leave them in the mix, but for the most part, if your Ken Palm rating and the way that I derive the rating is they have a ranking for uh, offense and they have a ranking for defense. If you add those two rankings together, let's say, let's just use Alabama as the example here. Their offensive rating is 19. Their defensive rating is three. So the combined rating is 22, the sum of that. Any team that has a combined rating of 50 or more They've never won a national championship in the history of Ken Palm's uh, rating systems. Mm. That again goes back to two thousand and two. Outside so, of UConn, right? Outside of no, well, UConn oh. was at forty nine. They were oh, the okay. highest. All right, okay. Of the but even they were an outlier. Like when I go back through all of the the combined ratings of the champions, most of them are in the the teens to twenties. And UConn was the one outlier at 49. But nobody's won it with a higher sum of 50. So if you're looking at some of these teams, and I tweeted out a list of all the teams that are inside the top 50, and the ones that aren't are kind of the ones that you would expect. For example, here are teams that I would not have winning at all based off of this trend. And these are all top five seeds, by the way baylor virginia xavier gonzaga k-state san diego state indiana duke marquette tennessee all of those teams are flawed in one way or the other where the analytics say you're not going to win six straight games and win the national title now the one thing that's interesting here is there are teams that are currently outside of the top 50 that over the next two weeks could play their way in so there is obviously fluctuation here, but at the starting point, the 10 teams that are inside of the the, 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 the sum of 50, Houston, Alabama, UConn, UCLA, Texas, Purdue, Kansas, Creighton, Arizona, St. Mary's, I, I, you should have one of those 10 teams winning it all. Re- really, Realistically speaking, it's going to be one of those 10 teams, and unless we have just one of those crazy outlier seasons, which of course is possible, but hasn't really happened yet in the 20 years Ken Palm's been, been charting this. I think I feel pretty confident saying one of those 10 teams will win the national title.
3: Jared, how do you, you know, you just spit out a a lot of analytics stuff. How do you balance that with the eye test? And I know people hate talking about the eye test, but there is something to, you know, a team that either is playing really well coming in and you feel like they're peaking at the right time, say a Marquette or somebody that maybe probably peaked too early and I can't think you know Tennessee with their injuries whatever how do you balance you know what the numbers are telling you but also man I just watched this team for three days at the ACC tournament or the big 12 tournament or they lost in the opening round of their tournament they don't look right at this
7: time of year yeah it's a fantastic question The, the eye test if you only like for example if you just woke up and started watching college basketball during conference championship week the eye test is very deceiving Because there's a lot of circumstances that go into that week that maybe you don't get the best of those teams. For example, you want my favorite trend of the entire week that I have bet on already teams coming into the NCAA tournament that are coming off of a loss of 20 points or more, i.e. they got blown out in their conference tournament. They're covering in the first round, the round of 64, at about 67%, 22-11-1 against the spread. This year, Kansas and St. Mary's are the two teams coming into the tournament, coming off of blowout losses in their conference tournament. Obviously, Kansas lost in the Big 12 title to Texas, got blown out. St. Mary's lost in the West Coast final to Gonzaga complete blowout. NC state and Creighton are also on this list, but unfortunately they're playing each other in the first round. So that trend kind of cancels each other out. But to that point, if you're just watching the conference tournaments and you watch Kansas and St. Mary's really tough to pick them going to the final four based off of what we saw that week. I think you have to use the analytics as kind of a crutch to the full season data. But I agree that there is some weight to be put towards recent form. I think Alabama is the f- team that comes to mind because all of the the negative things we've heard about the off-court issues, they haven't seemed to affect Alabama. So there's a little bit of downward pressure in the market on Alabama because of all the negative things we're hearing but then they come out and they blow everyone out in the SEC tournament and clearly you know Miller isn't affected by all of this off-court stuff now he hasn't answered any media questions yet that will happen during this 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 week we'll see if that changes the the tenor but to me Alabama's the perfect team where the eye test actually matches the analytics and those things kind of go hand in hand
2: Jared Smith joining us here on Cavino and Rich on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Aaron Torres uh, in for Cavino and Rich. Uh, Jared Smith, our Fox Sports Radio betting analyst. Get him on Twitter at Jared Lee Smith. So how do you handle injuries? You know, Marcus Sasser is considered a game-time decision for Houston. We expect them uh, to get a victory against Northern Kentucky. Um, We could say that up until a couple of years ago, until UMBC. But (laughs) how does an injury like that play into things um, when he's considered a game? game time decision didn't play uh in the conference championship game on sunday how does that affect the team uh like houston and where you project them to go
7: i would say it's important but i also know this houston team is probably the best pound for pound team in the field based off of their full body of work And I think the experience that they have not only on the bench with Kelvin Sampson, but the other guys on their roster have been there before, i.e. last year and the year before. Um, Dick just couldn't get over the hump, could not make a shot against Villanova last year in the Elite Eight and then went to the Final Four two years ago. Um, Sasser obviously has to play. If, if, If he's out for the whole tournament, I probably feel pretty bearish about Houston's chances of winning. I think he'll play. I don't know if he'll play against Northern Kentucky. I don't think they need him to play against Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky plays they, – they, they come from a conference in the Horizon League that is, is not a very – overly big and 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 brutal league it's one of the weaker leagues and and they play this zone that i think houston should be able to just eat up with offensive rebounding so i don't think they need marcus sasser on 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 thursday but he's huge to their chances of winning the tournament i I think if he's not back by the second weekend if houston does make it that far that's when i would probably call off the dogs on, on houston having a chance to win the national title because he brings the scoring element that the other guards don't really have and the one thing they have this year that they didn't have in prior Years was Jerris Walker, who's arguably the one of the best freshmen in the country. You don't talk a lot about him because he plays, again, in an American conference that doesn't get as much pub. But this Houston team's legit. I've got a future on them to win it all. I bet it back in, in, in April at 22 to 1. They're down to about 5, 6 to 1 right now. I still think they're the best team in the field, uh, you know, start of the finish, you know, start of the season to the end of the season. I think Bama is the best team recent form. But Houston and Alabama right now, I think, really are the two best teams. And if Sasser's remotely healthy, I think this Cougars team makes the Final Four.
3: Obviously, a lot of uh, trendy upset picks. I mean, I know obviously from the gambling perspective, but also just from the bracket perspective, I mean, for people who aren't betting, is there a 12 and 11 that you're specifically high on this time of year?
7: Drake's really good. Um, and I think the market's telling you that because of all the 5-12 games, they're the shortest underdog. And a lot of that, too, is injuries. Miami's one of their best players. Their, their, their big man is, is hurt. It's looking like he's not going to play, um, but we won't know until game time. Nor Shadow Mir, that's, the, that's the, the player I'm talking about. I, I think this line probably closes a pick if if he doesn't play. And again, how often do you see a 12 seed, not a th- at least a three or a four point underdog against a, a, a five seed? So, And I think Miami, listen, very well coached team, very good backcourt. Jim Laranage has taken Mason to the Final Four and, and Pack and, and Wong are fantastic guards, but they don't defend. And in the tournament, if your defensive rating is outside the top 50, I really can't take you seriously to make a deep run. Well, Miami's defensive ratings outside the top 130. So they are very uh, slow and, and, and not very uh, strong defensively. And I think that's where Drake is going to have some success. We don't talk about the Missouri Valley as much anymore. That conference has kind of fractured a little bit over the years. But Drake is a really, really well put together team. Their best player, Tucker DeVries, is the coach's son. Roman Penn, ironically enough, this game's being played in Albany. Roman Penn, former Siena transfer, played his home games in albany so there's a homecoming angle there and overall they're just a very well disciplined team balanced on both ends they shoot the three well so i think drake has a chance to make the sweet 16 and the other side of that bracket with kent state and indiana I, i I think Indiana is in some upset, uh, alert, trouble too. The MAC has been the best conference against the spread in the NCAA first round of the tournament over the last 20 years. They're 12-5 and five against the number in the round of 64. Remember, Akron almost beat UCLA last year. The MAC has been really good for some reason in this tournament. And Kent State with Sincere Carey might be the best player on the floor in this game other than uh, Trace Jackson Davis. So I think that side of the bracket with, with, with Miami Drake is the 5-12 and Indiana Kent State is the 4-13. I think we could see some chaos there.
2: Jared Smith joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Last one for me. We're going to stay in that region. We're going to go to your alma mater. What, Penn State and Texas A&M uh, played title games on Sunday. Uh, this is thought to be uh, one of the better matchups we're going to get in day one. What do you expect
7: in the matchup featuring your alma mater? It's such a tough matchup. So if this game was played, and f- so full disclosure, I, gra- I, w- I started going to Penn State in 2004. I graduated in So my tenure, I consider from 2004, it's been about 20 years. I've watched more Penn State Rose Bowls, three than NCAA tournament games won. <laughs> hey, it's almost unfathomable because they only play one Rose Bowl every year and there's only one Big Ten team in it. There's eight Big Ten teams in the tournament every year and I've watched one Penn State NCAA tournament game. But I, I think when you look at – if this game was played in December and Penn State had fresh legs and they were catching three on a neutral against A&M who can't shoot a and who can't shoot a lick, I would definitely take the points. The thing that scares me is they played five games in seven days. They played last Sunday in, in the regular season finale, then four games and four nights in the Big Ten tournament. And of course, what does the committee do? Well, they give them the Thursday game, uh, have fun with that travel. And it, it, I just I, I think overall, this is not a great matchup for, for, for Penn State. I, I think A&M is going to get into them defensively and, and make it really hard to rebound. And Penn State's one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country. They're better on the defensive glass, which I think is a credit to their coach, Micah Shrewsbury, who is definitely the better coach in this game. But unless Penn State makes a ton of threes, I just I, I don't see it happening. Uh, the SEC, though, you want to talk about a trend that's interesting. The worst shooting conference in college basketball this year from the three-point line is, is the SEC. 32, 33 out of 33 conferences. So, live by the three, die by the three. There's not a lot of SEC teams. We saw it last night. Mississippi State started hot and then got cold. I think the SEC might be a fade overall outside of maybe Alabama. But this matchup scares me because Penn State has to make shots, and I don't know if their legs are going to be there.
2: He's Jared Smith, Fox Sports Radio betting analyst. Get him on Twitter, at Jared Lee Smith. I'd love to do this over the next couple of days. I don't know if we can carve out time, but Aaron and I are going to be hanging out here on Fox Sports Radio, so I'd love to have you again, Jared. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Love so much. it, guys. Good luck this week. Have fun. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Great, great information. And I feel like we just scratched the surface, uh, but there's a lot more to get to. Fox
5: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: Hey, it's Cavino and Rich. Are you traveling to see your favorite team? Pro tip, stay at graduate hotels. They're obsessed with college sports, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Why would we stay anywhere else? They
0: have 30-plus hotels in all the best college towns. And get this, you can get up to 30% off with code CRSHOW. That's C-R-S-H-O-W. Go to any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book today at graduatehotels.com.